Prayer is a prominent theme in Luke's Gospel. Last week we heard the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. The two most important attributes for a good judge are regard for justice and compassion for people. The judge in this parable had neither of these attributes. One can't help but admire the widow's persistence, which eventually gave her the result she so wanted. What we learn from this parable is that if the persistence resulted in justice from the unjust judge, how much more will God, who loves both people and justice, answer our prayers? This week, the parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector is another lesson in how to pray. Two men go to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. It's easy to work out who in the story is the good guy and who's the bad guy. The Pharisee is described as standing by himself as he prays, suggesting he doesn't want to associate in any way with the unclean tax collector. He is Mr. Perfect. He thanks God that he's not a sinner like other people. He doesn't cheat, doesn't commit adultery, and even doesn't sin. He fasts twice a week and gives God a tenth of his income. When he sees the tax collector, he thinks to himself, Thank God I'm not like him. He has sold himself to the Romans doing their dirty work of collecting taxes from their own people. Although he begins by thanking God, the rest of the prayer is all about him and how better he is than anyone else. It's full of eyes. He is at the centre of his prayer. The tax collector, on the other hand, stands at, the distance, at a distance with his head bowed in shame. He is the epitome of the despised, the scum of the earth in Jesus' time, and probably not too popular in our time either. His prayer is also addressed to God, but as we can see as he confesses his sin and unworthiness and asks God for mercy, God is at the centre of his prayer. When did you last say to yourself, thank goodness I'm not like him or her? I confess that I've had that thought in this past week. We all do it, don't we? We're quick to criticise and condemn others when we're just as much at fault. We're also quick to judge others, not only by their behaviour, but also by what they look like. Have any of you ever been to Barcelona? <coughs> no one? Well, I went with a friend in 2018 and I saw the most magnificent building I will ever see in my lifetime. I visited many cathedrals and churches when travelling overseas, but the Sagrada Familia was by far the most outstanding and I would recommend if you ever get the chance to go to Barcelona, go and see it. It's absolutely I was, it was the, the sun was shining through the Pentecost window, so it was just full of orange and red, and it was just magnificent. It was designed by Anthony Gaudi, who was nicknamed God's architect. Gaudi stated that he designed and built all his work for the glory of God. As he got older, he became more religious, attending Catholic Mass and praying each day. After the deaths of several close friends and family members, he moved into his workshop inside the Sagrada Familia, which, as I said, he designed. His hygiene habits also went downhill, and he stopped shaving and wore shabby, ragged clothing. On the 7th of June 1926, at the age of 73, 
During his daily walk to confession, he was hit by a tram and lost consciousness. Because his shabby appearance made him look like a beggar, no one came to his aid. A policeman eventually took the gaunt and injured Gowley to hospital, where he got only the rudimentary care a pauper would receive. It wasn't until the next day that the chaplain of the Sobrada Familia recognised the beggar as the famous architect. But by then it was too late. Gowley died two days later because a judgment had been made about his unkempt appearance. In telling this parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus is trying to help us to accept the truth that all human beings are sinners, whether they recognise it or not. Jesus concludes his parable by saying, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For the proud will be humbled, but the humble will be, will be honoured. When someone is called to account in the way this Pharisee was, we're happy because it's, there's something in us that likes to see the mighty brought down. Serves them right, we might say. But the parable Jesus, but the people Jesus was telling this parable to did not appreciate it because they knew they had a lot in common with the Pharisee. And they realised that Jesus was making a point about the right attitude for approaching God. <coughs> Jesus gave us parables like this one to bring us closer to God and, it can be a, and that can be a painful process because we're challenged to change our ways and our attitudes. If we look at the parable again, we see that the Pharisee was so full of himself that he had no space left in his heart to receive God's mercy. So God gave him no mercy. When we hear this story, we need to ask ourselves if we might be guilty of the same sin. Is the sin of self-righteousness keeping us from drawing closer to God? This parable teaches us not to measure ourselves against the sinfulness of the tax collector, or the sinfulness of the Pharisee, or the sinfulness of our neighbour, or the sinfulness of someone who's recently fallen from grace. It teaches us to measure ourselves <coughs> excuse me, against the holiness of God. When we do that, we see that we might be a tiny bit taller than the person we're comparing ourselves with, but we're miles short of the holiness of God. God created us in God's image and to be holy as God is holy. We have all missed the mark, not by a little, but by a lot. We cannot pray, God, thank you that I'm not like other people. We can only pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the message of this parable. The wonderful truth about the Christian faith is that we're to come to God in our imperfect sinning state. When we come to God and ask God for mercy, God will give us mercy. When we come to God and ask for forgiveness, God will give us forgiveness. The good news is that our relationship with God doesn't depend on our perfection, it depends on what Christ did for us on the cross. <clears throat> and I'd like to just conclude with a story that really touched my heart and I think is one that illustrates the message of this parable. The Russian novelist Yev Toshenko was born in 1933. He tells of his memory of something that took place when he was eight years old. <clears throat> the Germans had invaded Russia 
and had killed millions of Russians and would kill millions more. But sometimes they lost a battle. And Yevtushenko, as a child, had a chance to see defeated Germans face to face. He says, In 1941, Mama took me back to Moscow. There I saw our enemy for the first time. In my memory, if my memory is right, nearly 20,000 German war prisoners were to be marched in a single column through the streets of Moscow. The pavements swarmed with onlookers cordoned off by soldiers and police. The crowds were mostly women, Russian women, with hands roughened by hard work, lips untouched by lipstick, and thin, hunched shoulders which had borne half the burden of the war. Every one of them must have had a father or a husband or a brother or a son killed by Germans. They gazed with hatred at the direction from which the column was to appear. At last we saw it. The generals marched at the head, massive chins stuck out, lips folded disdainfully, their whole demeanour meant to show superiority over their plebeian victors. The women were clenching their fists. The soldiers and policemen had all they could do to hold them back. But all at once something happened to them. They saw German soldiers, thin, unshaven, weary, weary, dirty, blood-stained bandages, hobbling on crutches. The soldiers walked with their heads down. The street became dead silent. The only sound was the shuffling of boots and the thumping of crutches. Then I saw an elderly woman in broken-down boots push herself forward and touch a policeman's shoulder, saying, Let me through. There must have been something about her that took, made him step aside. She went up to the column, took from inside her coat something wrapped in a coloured handkerchief and unfolded it. It was a crust of black bread. <clears throat> she pushed it awkwardly into the pocket of a soldier, so exhausted that he was tottering on his feet. And now suddenly, from every side, women were running towards the soldiers, pushing into their hands bread cigarettes, whatever they had. The soldiers were no longer enemies, they were people. The response of that crowd to the German soldiers mirrors that of God to the Pharisee and the tax collector. The generals at the front of the march offended people with their arrogance. They asked no mercy and received none. The foot soldiers further back were a different story. They were broken, beaten men, and the crowd could not help but respond to their brokenness. So it is with us. When we're riding high, snug, and self-satisfied, we feel no need of grace and receive none. Just as water runs off sun-baked clay, so also God's grace washes over us without effect. But our seasons of brokenness remind us of our need and prepare us to receive God's grace. When we repent of our sins, God forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news we're to tell the world. Let us pray. God of compassion, deepen and increase our love for you, so that we may leave behind the sins from which you have redeemed us and serve you in perfect freedom. Amen.